Well, good morning again, Heights family. Let me say welcome. Wonderful Palm Sunday. We've already had one great service this morning. I know we've already started into another, and you're going to be so blessed by what you're about to see. want to welcome all of you online and say to you, say to everyone here, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. If you didn't get uh, a Lord's Supper cup on the way in. You might want to raise your hand. They're they're looking. They'll come and bring you one. It looks like we did a pretty good job of making sure everyone got one. And that's a warning to all of you online that if you weren't prepared for this, it's time to get up and run to the kitchen and uh, figure out how you're going to put together a Lord's Supper that we'll be celebrating here in just a few moments. Uh, folks, you're going you're gonna to be in awe of what you're about to see. Not just what you're going to learn about Passover or Lord's Supper, but what you're going to learn about God. And you're going to see everything is connected from Genesis to Revelation, from Passover to Lord's Supper to the cross. God is telling a story. And I, I, as we go into this, listen for how it is all connected. I want to go ahead and ask Rabbi Paul, who's here with us today, and Karen, come on up and join. All of you, come on up. Let's get in our, our places here as we prepare uh, to celebrate this. And uh, folks, listen for God, listen for his story, and realize it's, it's all because of how much he loves you. Rabbi Paul. Shalom Mishpacha. So grateful to be here today. This is just a wonderful homecoming in a sense for me. You know how many hugs I received on the way in? It's just so many wonderful people here. You know, we, we, how long have we been doing this? A presentation was since 2008 maybe? 2009? So it's been just a beautiful connection to this congregation. You are such wonderful people. And can I brag on the, on the music? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, in, in Judaism, there is a saying that if your prayers feel like they're just going to the ceiling and no further, they say, sing a song. Because any song opens up the heavens. And that's really where I feel like the choirs are just preparing us for just an, an amazing Amazing momentum that is uh, just to presence to the presence of God, and here today we are so grateful to be able to be with you to to share with you and honored to share with you the Passover table, the Passover meal that Jesus participated in as the Last Supper, and I have with me here my wife, lovely wife Tara, and also our assistant for our ministry, Sarah. You see two tables out back where you can actually take a closer look at what is presented up here. In fact, you get to taste and see that the Lord is good even. So if you want to do that, there's also wonderful information there. Our ministry's name is Aliyah Foundation. And Aliyah, the Hebrew word for Aliyah, means to ascend. It means to go up. And if you read Psalm 120 all the way to Psalms 134, these were songs that they would sing as they would go up to Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem is a city set on a hill. And every year, the Israelites were supposed to go up to Jerusalem to celebrate what? The Passover. And they would go up and sing these songs. They would make Aliyah up to the mountain. So I read Psalm 121 this morning. It says, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? The city of the Lord. The city of the Lord. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so today, as we explore this, table, 
we've got handed out a little brochure to help us along, and it shares with you a few of the blessings that we will share today. Also, at the bottom, there's going to be a glossary of different Passover terms. So if you're not familiar with them, just familiarize and follow along. Uh, today, we will also f- uh, have a booklet called the Haggadah, which will help us tell the story. And so that is what we will be participating in here this morning. So let me just prepare this. In a Jewish home, we would get together and make a preparation and begin to have that. Now, Passover is a family affair. And today, I've got all my helpers and all my family here. Now, I've got the children. What is your name? Jack. This is Jack, and you are? Aaron. Aaron. Jack and Aaron. Aaron and Moses. Jack and Aaron. There you go. Exactly. This is when it was introduced. The Passover was introduced in the first place. So I'm looking forward to having my helpers help me here today. You know, you might say Passover is a Jewish heritage thing. What are we doing as as Christians looking into this? You know, Jesus is a Jew. Took this table as a platform to share with the rest of the world of what it all is about. This table is about him. This table explains about what he is about to do. And you know what he's actually doing? I believe there's that what the story tells us is that there's a huge rescue operation going on. From the Exodus story in the Bible, you know there's a big rescue operation that happens. If you know the story of how the Israelites that were enslaved for generations were pulled out, out of a nation that they were enslaved to, a superpower nation that they were enslaved to, they had no chance. But yet the biggest rescue operation came. And then there is another rescue operation when, with that Jesus presented to the, not just Israel, but the entire world. The Israelites were enslaved to Egypt, but the world was enslaved to sin and death. So Jesus came to show us through this Passover, and you will notice some unique plans to this. You know, Napoleon, big military campaigners, West Point, studies military campaigns, the geniuses of previous people. But I'm not sure if West Point studies the great rescue plan that God put in place. Many moving parts that God put in place to remember, to, to rescue us. Are we people that still need rescuing? This second operation, the rescue operation that Jesus put in place, it wasn't just a moment in time, although it was a critical moment. It actually reaches right out to the future, to our generations, to you and I, to rescue us from our own slavery. Sometimes we don't realize where we are enslaved. But as we participate in this table, as the Israelites would come to this table, they would recognize that there were unique things that would be uh, telling right into their own story, that would connect them right to their, the story themselves personally. And to help us, we have four readers here among us. And so I'd like to ask the first reader to begin to read to help tell us the story 
Go ahead and read that first section for us. The Lord had promised the land of Israel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet here were their children in Egypt. The Pharaoh had come to power, feared them. These foreigners in our midst are prospering and have grown numerous, he thought. Suppose they join with our enemies and turn against us. Pharaoh decided to exert greater control over his people, imposing harsh and bitter slavery upon the Israelites. Still, God blessed his people in strength and number. And the second reader. Pharaoh grew more frightened and ordered every baby boy among the Israelites to be drowned in the Nile River. One Israelite couple hid their little boy for three months. Finally, entrusting his future to God, they set him in a basket and placed him upon the river. His sister, Miriam, watched as he floated downstream. Coming upon the basket, Pharaoh's daughter took pity on the child and chose to raise him as her own son. She called him Moses, meaning drawn from the water. Reader number three. Moses grew and became aware of the trivial of his people. One day, in a rage, he, ho- he lost control of himself and killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. Fleeing, fleeing from the place in the eyes of, the, of Pharaoh, Moses became a shepherd in the land of Medea, far from the cries of his suffering brothers. And finally, reader number four. The Lord, however saw the affliction of the children of Israel and heard their groaning. He would raise up a deliverer to lead them out of bondage. It was then that he appeared to Moses in the midst of a bush that burned with fire, yet was not consumed. Moses drew close and listened as God commissioned him to go to Pharaoh. Fearful and reluctant, still Moses agreed to bring God's message to the king of Egypt. Let my people go. So God sends Moses... And he sends him to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, okay, see ya. Of course he doesn't, right? You guys are our economy. We're not going to let you go. There's no way. Isn't it interesting? Any enslavement doesn't let go that quickly. And that's why God comes in, and God can be persuasive, can't he? He sends plagues to expose the weaknesses of the Egyptian culture, of the Egyptian gods. Every one of the plagues was specifically designed by God to expose and confront one of the gods of Egypt. And so Moses comes to that place. There's nine plagues, but the tenth one is yet to be. And that's where we want to pick it up today in Exodus 12, verse 5 through 8, and then again, from 11 through 15. Pastor, would you do the honor? Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread, And bitter herbs they shall eat it. 
In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from that first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So you see that there are three significant things Moses is, via God is, or God is asking Moses to tell his disciples or his, the Israelites. And that is to gather together their household, to get a Passover lamb. Of course, at that time, they didn't know it by that title yet. And to kill it and take some of the blood and put it on the lintel of their doorposts. And that night they were supposed to roast it and eat it. And they were still supposed to stay in. You know, this whole situation took about a 14, 15 day process. In the few verses before, in this very same chapter, Exodus 12 verse 3, it says, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for the entire household. This is the month of Nisan, the 10th day, which is four days before Passover. And when is that day of Nisan today? It's actually on Palm Sunday. Four days before Passover is actually a unique day. During the time of Jesus, they didn't call it Palm Sunday, but they called it Lamb Selection Day. Jesus rode in to Jerusalem And the people brought out the palms, leaves, and put their clothes in front of the donkey as he rode into the city, crying out, saying, Hoshiana, Hoshiana. In Hebrew, that means deliver us, deliver us. And even in that time, the people recognized that they needed a deliverer. They needed a deliverer. And so it's interesting that even though in a coronation kind of a way, people were saying, Hoshiana, deliver us. They recognized that they needed a deliverer. But Jesus, on this very day, uses this day to ride in this day of lamb selection day. What would happen is Passover lambs that were groomed and bred in Bethlehem, just three to five miles away, they would be brought in to Jerusalem on this very day. They would be taken through the sheep gate, all the way, which was nearest to the temple. And then the people who had traveled from all over, the, all over Israel, maybe even outside of Israel, they would come and select the Passover lamb. Is it possible that as Jesus rides in to the city, that he, the one idea is that he rides in through the golden gate, which is fit for kings. And yet the golden gate is also known as the gate of mercy in Hebrew. But is it possible that he actually used the sheep gate, just like the Passover lambs from Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting that he is the Lamb of God from where? From Bethlehem. 
being led right to the place, and he goes right into that temple area where they are, people are selecting a lamb. He's offering himself up as the Passover lamb right on this Palm Sunday day. You know, the Bible doesn't say exactly what gate he comes in on. And so it's possible that he chose one or the other gates. But it's very possible that he comes twice, right? He comes as the Lamb of God, and the second time he comes as the Lion of Judah, the King, the King of Kings. And so this is a unique time when Jesus humbles himself and says, I will be the Passover Lamb. Then there's a, in that scripture, it also talks about unleavened bread. Jesus sends his disciples, Peter and John, to go and find a place to have the Passover and to prepare for it. Now, in Judaism, even today, part of the preparation is to make sure that there's no leavening anywhere in the house. A lot of spring cleaning going on during this time to see if there's any leavening. Why? What's the deal with leavening? Leavening is a symbol of sin. And so he says for Passover, we need to take all these things away. That's part of our preparation. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this season as well. Where the, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians verse five, chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, has also been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate this feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Any bakers here? To bake something, you need what ingredient? Yeast. And yeast, what does it do? It makes the bread or anything you bake puff up, right? Look beautiful. Once it comes out of the oven, though, that same yeast that puffs it up begins a decay process. Have you ever had little green things start growing on your bread? Oh, you're in the same good company here. You know, that decay begins as soon as that puffing starts. Sin does the same thing. It puffs us up, makes us look great in our little selfies that we take and post on whatever gram there is out there, right? It makes us look really, really good. But at the same time, that leavening begins the decay process in our souls. And so at Passover, we go and, and look at our own lives. Where is there sin hidden away? That is, maybe it's that, where is the selfishness in our own lives? Prepare us, oh God, for this Passover without any leavening, without any sin in our lives. And then, of course, he says this is a memorial. Remember me when you do this. Remember me, Jesus says. And now to begin, we begin with the lighting of the candles. And we invite the women of the home to do this honor. And today I'm asking Karen to come. But you know what's unique about this is why is a woman to light the candles? If you remember it was through a woman that God sent the light into the world. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of my people Israel. And so with that, Karen, would you do the honors of lighting the candles?
Um, okay, so to recall, we're going to, I'm going to read it in Hebrew, and then all of us ladies are going to say it together in English. Barukata Adonai Elehenu Malek Halam Ashar Karashanu Bamit Tova Ve Se Banu Lahadik Nersha Yomtav. Amen. Okay, together in English. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by his commandments and commands us to kindle the festival lights. Thank you so much, Karen and ladies. Karen, I didn't know you were so fluent in so many languages. <laughs> so many languages. Such a, such a wonderful surprise. You know, and at the Passover today, there is a ceremonial washing where we wash our hands before we dig into the different elements. But you know, Jesus says at this very moment of the Passover, no, 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 today we're not going to just do the hands. I want to wash your feet. Jesus humbles himself, takes a towel to wash his disciples' feet. And he shows us what servant leadership is all about. He comes and sets aside his kinghood to serve. And that is a picture of what, the, what he is trying to convey. This is now my message. This is how we show that we love one another. And then we come to the different elements that are on, on this table. You see there's four cups, and each of these cups tell a unique story, a process of what God has designed as part of his rescue operation. You notice there are four different cups. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification. Scripture says, I will bring you out. The second cup is a cup of judgment and deliverance. I will rescue you from your bondage. The cup of redemption is the third one. And this is the one that Jesus will call attention to in a moment. And he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Then there's the cup of praise and celebration. And I will take you as my people. I will take you as my people. So there are four different times during Passover that we take a drink. And we're going to start with the first drink called the cup of sanctification. I believe this is where Israelites began to recognize their need. Yes, you know, there is a crying out, God set us free. But it's at this moment they said yes to the rescue plan. So let's say the blessing and then we will drink together. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri HaGafen Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Let us drink. And I'm so grateful today that we have all these helpers here with us. And especially, now this is Jack and this is Aaron. In a Jewish home, we invite the children to be a part of things. In fact, they're going to ask the questions. Did you know that in, for, in Judaism, asking questions is a sign of genius? 
So take a look at these two geniuses right in front of you here. They're going to be asking questions. You know, Scripture says when your children ask you the questions, tell them what this great rescue operation was all about. And so we asked the children to ask the first, the four questions. And in fact, I think, just like Karen, they're going to try to do it in Hebrew. Are you going to try to do it in Hebrew? No? How about you? All right, all right. English is good enough today. Manishtana halale hazeh mekol halelot. Why is this night different from any other nights? Why don't you ask your first two questions? On all other nights, we eat bread or matzah. On this night, why do we eat only matzah? On all other nights, we eat kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we eat only bitter herbs? Aaron, would you do read the other two questions? On all nights, we do not dip our vegetables even once. On this night, why do we dip them twice? On all other nights, we eat our meal sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we eat only reclining? Thank you so much. Why don't we give them a hand? So your parents now will be able to answer these questions for you. (laughs) Keep asking questions. Keep asking questions, right? So... So on this table now, we have a few different elements that will help answer the question. One is, we have some parsley. And so anybody that's here on the front of the table can take a piece of parsley. And then there is a clear bowl that you dip it in. And then you go ahead, once it's nice and soaked, go ahead and eat it. Mmm. Yummy. (laughs) Mom, why did you make me eat that? Actually, it tastes so good that you want more of it, right? What does it taste like? What do you you taste? Salt water. Salt water and the greens, right? And the mixture makes a real tasty meal. Oh, (laughs) that's a first. In Hebrew, the karpas means the greens, or in case of the parsley here today. And the, but the salt water represents the tears of life. Have you ever cried so hard that you had a big tear roll right into your mouth? Have you ever tasted it? It tastes just like this, salty. You know, we understand grief. We understand pain. But God also shows us that his rescue operation will come right into your tears. Did you know that scripture says that he has a bottle? Revelations talks about it, that he has a bottle with your tears. He has a bottle. He knows our pain. He doesn't just sit up there and not realize the pain that we have. In fact, he went and brought us his son to show us how much agony that he understands that we are in, that we go through. And then uh, next we have to answer the first question, we have matzah. And on a table, we have three sheets of matzah. There's actually, is there four there? Yeah, but three in the Jewish. This is our Christian Passover, so it's, there's four. But in a Jewish one, there's three. And they t- it's really a picture of the triunity 
of God. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we take the middle matzah representing the Son, and we break it. And I always tell everybody, you guys can go ahead and try it, too. You can break, break one that... And I always ask everybody to make sure it's completely straight line. Not a straight line, ever. Not a straight line, ever. Right? So we break it, and then we take a cloth, and we wrap it in a white linen cloth, and we tuck it away. We hide it. A picture of what Jesus was about to go through. Upon his death, he would be wrapped in a linen and tucked away, hidden away in a tomb. Later on, we will see this portion come to life again. And it's called the Afikomen. And so, after that, Jesus and his disciples sit and begin talking story. They tell the Passover story. And they go and break up another piece of matzah. Go ahead and you can break up another piece of matzah off, a small one. And dip it in one of these elements. And I'm going to ask you to dip it in this white, creamy sauce and eat it. This is the maror, which is the bitter herbs, representing, really, if you taste it, if you put too much, uh, it, it, can, it can really clear your sinuses. In fact, we call it the Jewish dristan. Just last week, I was doing a Passover in a home, and, uh, and I took a little too much. And sure enough, it just cleared my sinuses. I was hacking away. And so this represents the bitterness of slavery and the bitterness that Jesus was going to encounter in just a little while. One of you is going to betray me. He looks at the disciples and says, one of you is going to betray me. And everybody's like, well, is it me? Who, who's going to betray you? The one that dips with me. And he's like, well, we all did. And in a sense, you know, we know that Judas is the one that ends up going to betray him. But even his disciples, they betrayed him later when they left him. Left him alone. Isn't it interesting that even maybe us, have we ever betrayed Jesus, our Lord? And even Jesus afterwards restores Peter restores his disciples. The bitterness that he faces, he faces the bitterness for us. He takes the bitterness from our lives and redeems us. The next dipping that we would do, because there's two times, is the, the apples and nut combination. And by the way, thank you for whoever made this for us. It's very tasty. And it's very tasty because it's sweet. Now, why would you mix bitter and sweet? It looks like the mortar that the Israelites had to make to build cities for Pharaoh in their enslavement. So when they, you ask the rabbis, why put this on a Passover plate? It's because sweetness in the midst of bitterness reminds us of the redemption to come. It reminds us that we will not always be in a bitter place. That God has a plan and we are part of that plan. And so go ahead and taste it now. Mm, much better. 
Yum, yum, yum. In fact, if you want to taste some of these elements, like like Pastor said, there's a table back there. You get to try some of these different elements. And you also see an egg on the plate. Now, the egg is something that wasn't on the Passover plate during the time of Jesus. It was added a few hundred years later, and it's supposed to represent new life. And we have new life when we accept with the rescue plan that God has prepared for us, which is Jesus. Amen? And so we can rel- then we can also recline. Aaron asked us, why do we recline? Because a soft pillow represents the time of freedom where we can relax. The children of Israel were told, keep your sandals on, and in fact, tonight's meal you're going to eat standing up. Because at a moment's notice, after the plague of the firstborn passes over you, you will get the memo, and it's time to go. It's time, because you're free. And it was that moment that they walked into their freedom. Now, there are ten plagues, like we said earlier. And each of the plagues at this time, they would, on a Passover dinner time, they would talk about it and, and recognize that each of these ten plagues confronted one of the gods of Egypt. Because these gods, I, th- I even believe that for the Israelites, they needed to understand that these gods of Egypt that they so feared is what kept them in enslavement, but that these gods were nothing. They were puny gods. If you know the Marvel movies, puny gods, in light of the real God. right? So, so you know, for 400 years... Children would be born, they would grow to learn to read and write, maybe, and, but, but they would be asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the children, you know, would, the only reply is, I want to be a slave just like my mom and dad are, and build Pharaoh some wonderful cities. We, sometimes we don't even know what freedom is. Sometimes we don't even know to recognize it. And sometimes we don't even recognize that we're enslaved. That we need freedom. So maybe you are here today that you think, well, I don't, I don't need rescuing. But once we recognize our need, that we truly are enslaved, God shows up with these plagues for the purpose of exposing the gods that we are enslaved to. And so let's pay attention so that when, the, when those plagues come, that we are tucked away in that door through the cross. The door and the cross are really representatives of how God protects us. At the cross is another door, an open door, where we can come into the protection of our God. And at this point, Jesus, there's kind of a hush around the table with his disciples. And he says, hey guys, I want to show you something. This third cup, this is going to be a unique moment and that I'm going to pass forward. This is the cup that we now know as your communion cup. And now we're going to enter into that third cup phase and begin to uh, take communion. And every one of you has a communion cup. But I want to draw attention first to the bread piece, the matzah piece. If you've looked at matzah before, 
and take a close look, you will notice that there's holes in it. If you pull it back a little bit, you'll notice that there are stripes. You'll also notice burnt pieces. They look like bruises. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Jesus is evident in every piece of matzah. Our Jewish people, you know, they look at Passover more of a, as a social gathering nowadays. Uh, they they yet to recognize. But one day, Jewish people that have been doing Passover generation after generation, suddenly their eyes will be open and they will see this very matzah in a very different light as we see it here today. Surely he took upon us his pain, or take, took our pain upon himself. And so as we pre- come to this moment, open up and take the piece of bread out of your little communion cup, or you can take a piece of matzah from up here. And in the First Corinthians, verse 11, it says, And Lord Yeshua, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took matzah. And when he had given it thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. And so let's, ble- let's bless it. Let's thank it just like he did. We already broke it. And then we will eat together. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech olam, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread of the earth. And God... I want to thank you that you would send your precious, your precious son, who is willing to be broken for us so that we might have victory out of slavery, but that we might also have life to its fullest. And in memory of what he did for us, we receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's eat. And in the same way, he also took the cup, that third cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in memory of who? Of me, of the Lord. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he took that third cup, and we can participate in it from here as well as you do so there. We say, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Pri HaGafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of divine. And God, I want to thank you again that your son was so willing and humbled himself to be poured out as a sacrifice for me, for every one of us. That that time when he went to the cross and shed his blood, it was not just covering the Israelites back in the Exodus time, it's covering my heart today. And thank you for cleansing me and making me whole. In Yeshua's name we pray. Let's drink. Now at every Jewish Passover today, 
we also have a place for Elijah. You notice that cup over here to my right? There's a beautiful wooden cup. We always have a place setting for Elijah because we believe that Elijah will come before the Messiah. So even though the majority of our Jewish people don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they know the Messiah is going to come. They're looking forward to the Messiah coming. And they also know that Elijah will be a forerunner. And in the same way, for us who are believers, we know he's coming again. He's going to make Aliyah. He's going to return for every one of us who believe. And so that the spirit of Elijah will come. You know, remember, Elijah didn't taste death. But during the time of Jesus, he actually reappeared on the mountain with Moses at the transfiguration with Jesus. And then again, Jesus says, John the Baptist, a good Baptist boy, right? Good. You had your first Jewish Baptist boy. There you go. He was the forerunner of his coming at that time. He says, if you're willing to accept it. And so even here today, we will are looking forward to his coming. And we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Let's all say it together. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And then we come to the last, the fourth cup. Now this cup represents of praise and of celebration. It is really, I believe, a futuristic celebration that we can already begin to celebrate now, knowing that he is coming back. I believe it's part, going to be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. When there is going to be no more suffering, we will be with him. He will take us and we will be with him forever. And then we close a Passover. You can't go without closing a Passover without saying next year in Jerusalem. Lishana Yerushalayim. So let's say it with me in English. Next year in Jerusalem. And I would like to also give you a little uh, presentation for the, on, back on the table. We have a little packet back there called Do Your Own Passover in Your Own Home. So if you want one of those, limited supply, of course, but if you want one of those, talk to the people on, back at the table. And before we close with the benediction, I would like to ha- ask my wife if you would bring, a, bring up a little gift that we'd like to present to the church, to the pastors here. You know, it's been, what, 15 years? Let's celebrate 15 years of beautiful, beautiful relationship. We just wanted to give this to both of you. Thank you so much for your friendship. Yeah, you can open it. I can sneak a moment of time, right? We just have a few minutes. It's a Bible that has uh, a, a lot of the Jewish roots understanding in it. It's uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Wow. And so it just really helps you kind of bring the context into it. And so I just wanted to uh, give that to you, you in the church as a, as a wonderful thank you and a gift. Thank you so much.
and I'll, I'll jump in here, Paul, on that line you just said, next year in Jerusalem, and uh, there may be an opportunity, if, if it's available to you, to uh, do this, Lord willing, next year in Jerusalem. Uh, if you're interested in going with, with Rabbi Paul, Karen, and myself to Jerusalem, we're going next year, March 20th through 30th. And uh, at the at the desks that the tables that have all this illustrated, uh, there is one of these. These are free. The trip is not. As a matter of fact, you'll find the trip quite costly, but it is a really nice trip. But uh, you can go out there, pick this up. You can see the whole itinerary, what we'll be doing, and then two weeks from today. April 24th, Rabbi Paul will be back with us, and right after the service, we'll have an informational meeting, which is also free. You, you, they look at that, oh, I'm not sure I can do that, but you can come and ask questions, you can come and figure out more, and so I encourage you, if that's something you might be interested in doing, go to the table, pick up the itinerary, and then join us two weeks from today, April 24th, right after the service. Thank you so much. Looking forward to that trip. Israel just opened March 1st, by the way, so that we can finally go back. So let's go. Also on the back of the table, we have a, a Jewish life calendar. If you want to kind of study the, how the calendar flows uh, according to even the, uh, the biblical way, you can t- free, uh, free to take one as long as we have supplies that left, are left. To close the Passover now, we want to close it with a priestly blessing that Aaron here taught me. In Numbers 6. And it goes like this. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yeshmerecha. Yer Adonai panavalecha v'chunecha. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yasam lecha. Shalom. V'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Now let's sing the translation of this verse. shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's sing that together. Let's stand. Lord, turn his face toward
our families, on our children and our children's children. May you bring peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and their family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for to Revelation, from the Passover to the Lord's Supper, it's God's story for you. And in the very first pages of that story, Genesis chapter 3, Satan introduced a lie that God is not for you. There's more away from God. There's more outside of God. God's holding out on you. And we enslaved ourselves to that lie. And he has come to redeem us and to rescue us. He is for you, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Amen. And we go forward from here today to live that story and to share that story. I hope you'll bring somebody back with you next week uh, to our Easter services Saturday at 5 o'clock. 5. Five. Thank five you. O'clock. Saturday, five o'clock, normal times. And uh, hey, help us by coming to the Saturday service so that we can handle well the crowd on Sunday morning. That can be a great ministry that you have. Hey, as we leave here today, if you have questions about God being for you and how that becomes a blessing, you've heard the word Baruch a lot today. If you want to know about God's blessing for your life, you can go out to that table right in the center in the concourse. It says next steps right over it and learn more about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ, following him in believer's baptism or becoming a member here at the Heights. I sure hope you'll take advantage uh, of that today. Remember the two tables you can see up close, taste if you want. Uh, Be sure and get the horseradish, get a big scoop of that and uh, go out there and see that and, and then also the flyers. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's go live God's story. Amen. 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 God bless. Have a great week.